three, two, one. And, and we're, we're live. Ladies and gentlemen of the 12 Gauge Nation, welcome to 12 Gauge Uncut and a very special guest, the world's largest orangutan in captivity, Big Andy. The one and only. The one and only. So, ladies and gentlemen, you should probably feel the ground shaking. It is not an earthquake. Big Andy has arrived. Oh, it's an earthquake, all right. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, big man, uh, how's how's the week treating you? Hey, man, it's uh, the shoot job's been good to me, and uh, everything else is going pretty uh, swimmingly, as they say. Awesome, awesome. So, um, for those that you that don't know, you kind of give us a little bit of uh, background of uh, your age. Uh, you know, kind of uh, how long you've been actually in the indie circuit at this point. You know, Rocky, it's not appropriate to ask a lady their age. <laughs> uh, uh so i'm 30 i'll be 37 this year um i've been on the indie scene for 13 going on 14 years um, um yeah it's, it's been a, a pretty long run a, a lot of ups and downs and uh definitely some lefts and rights gotcha gotcha um so who broke you into the business um so I give credit where credit's due. Um, I got my first break through uh, a guy named Chris Nelms. I'm sure a lot of folks know him. The uh, Nashville Nightmare, Heel Daddy, as it were, the ticking time bomb as it once was. Locomotive, oh, oops, not locomotive, sorry. Uh, yeah, he gave me my first break, uh, but I got linked up. I got trained um, originally by a guy named uh, Cowboy Stephen Lowry out of Milledgeville. Um, so that's where the training happened, but uh, I owe, I owe my first break to Chris Nelms. Okay, great, and yeah, Chris Nelms, I've heard a lot. You know, honestly, I've heard the comparison, uh, and it, me and him have never we have talked before, but we have never physically met. But everyone talks about my self promotion skills and his. They were like, y'all two are the best in Georgia, brother. If and, y'all were to if y'all were to ever link up, like. That his self promotion is insane. Um, uh, I've heard I've heard some top names in the business um, put Chris Nelms' uh, self promoting skills over um, time and time again. Uh, and I definitely, I see the compare. I can see that comparison. That's a that pretty accurate comparison when it comes to you and him. Yeah. So 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 me and him have to f finally running together at some point in time. So uh, can, I'll look forward to that. I can, I can link that. I, can make, I think I can make that happen. Okay. All right. That sounds good. So, um, so tell us, uh, in the early days, I know everybody's training story is a little bit different. Um, kind of, how did training look for you? How did you start out where I know you like all the rest of us, you got a shoot job, you've got, right. you've got a train. It's, so, it's a tough schedule. So here's the deal. I, uh, and this is, I'm going to shoot straight from the hip here. Uh, 
I moved to Milledgeville, Georgia. I was supposed to, I didn't even move really. I was supposed to be down there for two weeks. I was working at the, I was a manager at the Papa John's in Buckhead in Atlanta. And I moved, I went down there to help the uh, manager down there, you know, knock some heads and weed out some seeds. And uh, I was only supposed to be there for two weeks. And one of the drivers down there found out I was a big wrestling fan. And now originally before I moved from Atlanta, my original plan was uh, I was saving up some money. I was going to pay uh, back when Mr. Hughes was still uh, training at WWA4. I was uh, had every intention of going to WWA4, actually, to be honest. And um, that's... Uh, that, that was the plan, but as things go and life happens, I, uh, priorities got swapped up. You know, I was running with a certain crowd and doing things I probably shouldn't have been doing. And so that money went elsewhere, but, uh, ended up going down to Milledgeville. I was down there for two weeks. One of the drivers at the Papa John's happened to be one of the uh, guys that run, uh, work security at one of the shows that was running in Milledgeville at the time. It was CWO, which branched off of GIWA. And, um, he was like, Hey, got a show this weekend. I hear you're a big fan. I heard you wanted to uh, actually, you know, try wrestling out, give it a go. You should come, you should come along. And uh, I know a couple guys that will get you in the ring and, you know, you figure out if this is for you or not. So I go to the show, um, talk to a few of the guys, uh, a couple of them, Chris, uh, Chris Nelms, um, Anthony uh, Velvet Hall. Um, um, I believe, uh, Jamie Holmes was one of the guys there. Um, it was a long, long time ago, so I have, uh, you know, my, my head a few too many chair shots, uh, as it were. <laughs> and so if I if I don't if I forget a few names, that's my bad. But you all know how I feel about all of you that have ever done anything for me. Uh, they jumped. They put me in the ring, man, and they uh, they 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 had me. Uh, they they gave me the basics, just for like a first day basics. Are you sure you want to do this, kid? Kind of deal, you know. Um, you know how it is, you know, mm -hmm. still a few of them real old school. So really probably didn't even want me in that ring or think I was worth even getting a shot. Um, they beat my ass. They beat, am I, can I say ass on the show? I don't do Oh yeah, you absolutely can. Oh, so, right. so I tell so people PG, PG 13. So PG 13. All right. Yeah. All right. So no beep. All right. Um, <laughs> They, they, they beat my ass uh, and probably didn't expect me to come back the next time, but I was back the next month at the next show, ready for training, ready to set up the ring, ready to set up some chairs, ready to get the show ready, because that's what paying dues was. That's what I, at least that's what I was told. So mm -hmm. I said, if, that's, if this is what it takes, I got this. And I'm not really a quitter. So uh, I was raised by a, um, a cranky old Scotsman that uh, <laughs> would have uh, lost his mind if I quit anything. So um, we, uh, I kept coming back every show, every month, uh, ended up working security for the show, uh, trained before three, four hours before the show, the quicker you got the ring set up, the quicker you get, the more training you could get in before the show started, um, you know, running the ropes, taking bumps, uh, flip bumps, uh, back bumps, face bumps, the whole nine yards, um, you know, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a training school, but I was getting I was getting to pick the brains of all these guys coming through that show in that area until eventually after about two years of that, um Chris pulled me aside and said, Uh, it's it's time. Uh I, I got a I got something for you and he uh he had an old gimmick, uh it was called the locomotive and it was his mask gimmick. They uh so they put me they put me in a mask at the uh 
if I'm jumping around, I'm sorry, but uh, no, you're great. the way I talk. They put me in a mask and uh, called me the locomotive and sent me to Jackson, Georgia at the uh, National Guard Armory in Jackson. And uh, that show was headlined by Luke Gallows. Um, and it had uh, Lex Luger was there to do a um, uh, he was giving his uh, testimony that day. Um, and they put me in the ring with this guy out of like West Africa or Ghana or something. I don't know. Uh, his name was the great power Udi. And it was this huge, like swole black guy that just had just muscles. <laughs> out, and he had this big hump on his neck and he comes out to the <laughs> ring playing a saxophone. And I tell you what, brother, there's nothing more intimidating, nothing more intimidating than you're in your first match. You're under a hood. You're, 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 You've got all these nerves in the world. One of my best friends had his uh, was referee at the time, Alex Deggy. Shout out to Alex Deggy. Um, <laughs> I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, you just hear the saxophone blowing, man. And next thing you know, there's this barefoot black guy coming out in a, in a loincloth with these muscles coming out of everywhere, muscles coming out of muscles. Didn't speak a lick of English, so you know how we called the match. Luke Gallo said, do this, this, and this. Don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so I did that, that, and that, and didn't do that. And uh, uh, the great power Udi went over, and that was my first. Uh, that was my first match. So, uh, and I never looked back. <laughs> I just yeah. from that day on, it was just all right. Let's figure out how to do this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can, I can only imagine, especially not being able to communicate with someone, you know, in the ring, especially if you've never met him. You're like, you it know, was, how do you how do you know when you if you did piss the guy off? You know, to be honest, I kind of like it that way. I, you know, uh, not to not to pull the curtain too far back. I just I I'm not a big uh, spot caller. You know what I mean? I, I'm the the way I was the way I learned was you know, call your open, call your finish, a little bit of this and that in the middle, but just kind of feel it out, walk and talk out there in the ring, as they say. And yeah, walk uh, and talk is my preference too. Uh, I you know just to me- for memory's sake, I'm not you know you call seven spots, I'm gonna remember two of them. Um, yeah. you know, but, uh, I, I, I break that rule from time to time. Cause I, uh, I've been known to like, I'll get real, uh, I'll get, I'll get antsy and I'll start all next thing, you know, I'm like, I don't call spots. Next thing you know, I've called six, seven spots. I've called the whole match <laughs> before we even go out. So, yeah. So, um, we, uh, I guess me and you first met, uh, was that prime time. It was uh, at the debut. So, mm-hmm. At that point in time, uh, I, I've been following and seeing things going, and it looks like there's um, been a lot of heat between you and Mr. Atlanta, too. Um, you know, I, I really was expecting to see you in that um, that position for that title shot, uh, but it feels like maybe he's ducking you a little bit. It could be him. It could be Mr. Atlanta himself, you know. I, I uh, he, Mr. Atlanta, too, wasn't the only one out there at that ring that day. Uh so, I mean, I, I'd say we had a hell of a match. And, uh, you know, if had Mr. Atlanta not been out there and had Mr. Atlanta, too, had a little more, uh, I don't know, uh, balls, as it were, maybe uh, maybe we could have had an even better match. But uh, I'm always uh, – I'm always they know at prime time I'm always available for them. So, if they want to run it again, we'll run it again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, the listeners need to give a big shout-out. I think we need to see uh, – Big Andy, have another shot at that title for sure. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, don't mind if I do. 
All right. So, uh, so talking about title history, I'm pretty sure you're not a stranger to a title or two. So, um, tell me a little bit about your accolades at this point. So, uh, as, as everyone knows, I'm 400 pounds, uh, uh, six foot three size 14 boot. Uh, and that's actually taken me pretty far. Uh, so let's say, uh, CWO, uh, heritage champion was my first title one. Um, I'll never forget that. I've been a tag champion in multiple, uh, multiple shows, multiple organizations, um, with multiple tag team partners. Everyone knows that I run with the 605. It's not a faction. It's a family. Um, we, uh, many of those guys have intertwined with me and we've been tag partners and won tag titles. You name it. We've been there and won it. Um, I, uh, I was the, uh, OTWF heavyweight champion. Um, most recently I was the, uh, CWFG in Swainsboro. I was the heavyweight champion there. Um, um, I, I mean, the, the list kind of goes on and on there. Um, it's not really, but it, you know, it's not about, you know, how many belts you got, man. It's about the, the guy behind the belt. It's about how you carry that belt, how you carry yourself in, uh, that promotion. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think as far as I've heard, your reputation has been great no matter where you went. I appreciate that. Um, well, I guess, uh, and forgive me, I jump back and forth too because I've got to get some more experience in interviewing. So being a, going from a uh, wrestler to a podcaster, a little bit different role for my me is uh, Brother, some, awesome. of the best, some of the best names have done that, man. So, um, tell us about, let's start back from the beginning of war. Uh, let's go back to little Andy and, you know, how was that growing up? Were you, were you a kid that was picked on or, you know, how, how did that go about? How did you come up and what inspired you to be a wrestler? Okay. So I was, uh, I was raised, like I said before, by a Scotsman, uh, Jim Toner, man. He was, um, one hell of a guy. God rest him. Uh, He's straight off the boat from uh, Glasgow, Scotland, East Kilbride, actually. And uh, that man never uh, never laid a finger on me. And all he had to do was raise his voice, and I knew how to straighten up real quick. Um, uh, thick Scottish accent uh, got me in trouble at school because uh, I was calling things different things. And uh, <laughs> some teachers didn't understand what I was trying to say or thought I was saying something totally different that wasn't appropriate. And, uh, yeah, so they were tried to, they tried to put me in a speech class at one point. We, um, it was, I had a, I had a pretty decent upbringing, man. Um, pretty decent upbringing. I was, you know, learned at a young age, uh, to treat people right and treat people um, as they should be treated, no matter how you get treated. Um, and I was honestly a wrestling fan at an early age. My earliest memories of wrestling or watching it on TV was the early nineties, uh, watching WCW. I was I didn't really get into WWF until the attitude area, era, area, era. Uh, you know, but I, I mean, I knew about what had happened before in the eighties with the WWF and stuff, Hulk Hogan versus Andre and all that Hulk Hogan, uh, not, not most popular, uh, not the most popular, uh, decision these days to have as a, uh, you know, an all-time favorite, but Hulk Hogan was my all-time favorite, man. I know some would say, would think it's Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. I love some Dusty Rhodes because I emulate him a lot, but, um, you know, watching Hulk Hogan, just be able to take the, just be able to look at the crowd and, uh, get that reaction he got just from a look that, uh, it, it, it speaks volumes. Um, uh, 
so early early on wcw was my was my jam uh and then early 90s and uh i was always watching man i was always watching when i finally got a um tv in my room in middle school man i was shit, i'd be up late you know remember wcw didn't go off the air till 11 bedtime was 10 oh shoot i gotta watch i gotta watch one more hour how am i gonna do this sneak back downstairs and cut that thing on which i'm sure a lot of a lot of a lot of us uh remember having to do that kind of stuff back then um so like uh it, it, it <laughs> um i was always a fan i was always a fan from an early age and uh you know eventually i just got tired of just being a fan and wanted to jump in there and do it myself because i'm pretty sure i could and i think i've pretty much proven along the lines here that i'm not too and too shabby myself <laughs> yes sir not to uh toot toot <laughs> hey um well see it's you, you brought up hulk hogan and, and dude you're not alone uh i i know current day is one thing for hogan but I can't take away anything that he did in the past because right. he inspired me. I come, my, my upbringing was kind of rough. Some people have heard the story before and I'm not going to touch on that right now. Um, but Hogan and warrior were my two people that, and, and really Hogan gave me something to inspire. My, I mean, inspire myself too. Um, you know, the, the whole having morals, the, the whole baby face gimmick. Plus his charisma. Yeah. Um, I don't care. If, everybody can argue with me. The man that they're all, he had five moves. That he didn't need more than five moves. I mean, he connected with that crowd, and that's all that matters. I, I think modern day, you know, who else has only got five moves and is making billions of dollars and has made billions of dollars? Yeah. John Cena. Yeah, that's right. You can't, I mean, you can't take that away from him. You know, yeah. you might have hated him on the TV all the time, but hey. It, it is what it is. He had something. Yeah, you can't take away, and I'll say this a thousand times, when you have that person in the ring and you have this, and I've been blessed with it, is a connection with the crowd. Uh, that You can't teach that in wrestling. If no. if somebody comes in and they don't have it, they're not yeah. going to get it. Yeah, there's there's a certain it factor that everybody should have uh, or is, is look for in everybody when they come into business. And if you just don't have it, man, to be in just it's it's totally different than it was way back in the day man but this business still still to this day isn't for everybody no no i mean if you look at even the greats and and i love kenny omega will Ospreay, but although they're magnificent wrestlers they don't have that exactly what hogan and the rest of them did that would have made them superstars and they wouldn't even have to work half as hard as they do in the ring I agree. You know, but a lot, that's the thing. That's the, the trade-off from that, man. Those guys love doing what they do and the way they do it, man. And I, so I can't, yeah. like, I used to be like, man, y'all are doing too much. Less is more, but man, if it's working for them, what can you do? You know, I don't have to work them. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I, I don't have the gas tank to work those guys. They make me tired <laughs> just watching them. Yeah. So, um, well, uh, so, Moving on from there, where is, let's say if you were looking at, I'd probably say the next three to four years, maybe five-year plan, where does Big Andy see himself in year five? Year five, man. So you're talking, I'm going to be in my early 40s yeah. in five years, man. Uh, 
that's that's hard, man. That's a hard. That's a really hard question for me. Just knowing where you know, because this last couple of years in wrestling has been such a whirlwind for me. Um, I, I've gone places that I never thought I was gonna go. Um, all all because I just took the ball and ran with it. I got you know the right people in my ear, the right people looking out for me, the right people um, giving me the right, um, finally giving me the right uh, way to do things, uh, you know, and watching out for me and making sure that I'm sticking to the plan. Um, but if you asked me that last year, I'd have been like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna be wrestling anymore. This this year, the way things are going, um, if it stays, if this momentum I'm on right now stays the same way, because I'm, I'm, I'm leaving the state a lot. I'm, you know, I've got, I had a pretty sweet deal going on in Nashville. I had a pretty sweet deal going on in Texas. Um, got a lot of bites from Florida right now. Um, probably working on something for next year for Florida. Uh, I I'm, I'm either going to be still killing the indie scene right now, or, uh, who knows? I, might give it a go and you know hit that uh send in a couple tapes and uh see what's going on with uh one of the big ones yeah well i would definitely encourage you to i will say something to you that was passed on to me um i am now 44 so i had probably when i was around 32 um i got to sit down with a name you may be familiar with zig ziglar Mm-hmm. Uh, we sat face to face to face with one another, and he uh, he asked me that same question, and I really didn't know how to answer it. And he told me, he says, "Well, you know," he said, "you can sell anywhere you want to sell, but you got to have a plan to know which direction you're going to sell in if you want to get there." And right. that and that changed my life immediately because it's simple, right? But it makes a whole lot of sense. We, a lot of a lot of times we we want to get somewhere, but we really don't know what direction we need to go to get there. And uh, once you figure that out, you know the the, the selling's probably not going to be always smooth. We both know that. You, I, I heard you say just a moment ago, a year ago, you said maybe I wouldn't be wrestling anymore. Not to not uh, to cut you off, not to cut you off there, but like for me. Uh, it was about the confidence too. You know, I was lacking a lot of self-confidence, um, in the, you know, in past years, you know, I didn't believe that I'd, you know, I didn't believe that I'd get this far. I didn't believe that I'd, you know, you know, be booked on so many shows and, um, uh, still be, uh, held in a regard that I've never thought I'd be held in when it comes to getting booked on a show. Um, I, I, I just, uh, I think that, it's about your confidence and that's what's going to show you um that's what's going to help you really you got to believe in yourself man you got to believe in yourself i'm getting my tongue twisted over here um if you don't if you don't believe in yourself or believe you can do it i mean there's what are you doing then you know that's that's where all that that energy comes from yeah absolutely i i agree with that 100 percent, and i'm glad i'm glad this is coming up because there's somebody that's going to need to hear this uh that's going to go through the same thing I went through it more than once since I came aboard, and um, I don't know if you if you had that friend or that person that you called and talked to that that helped put you back in the right way. Mine, uh, I'll have no problem tonight. Uh, zero, uh, Brandon, man, was, that's a guy right there. 
Yeah, it was the guy, the guy right who put there. me back on track many times when I was like, dude, I've I've took all the snakes and you know the backlashing that I can take backstage from all these people after I try so hard that I'm done. That you know, and then he would remind me, "Is Rocky? Why did you come in here to begin with?" And it was for those kids, those people. That wasn't what inspired me. And he right. put me right back on track. And I'm like, "You're right. It isn't anything about these other guys. It's about this and what I wanted to do." Uh, and then you know, we got right back home. So yeah, uh, did you did you have that person for you that I, I, have, that a, I have a few. I have a few. I have a few. I, uh, uh, not 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 a name drop over here, man. But uh, sure. Terry Rocker Lawler, man. Terry Rocker Lawler is oh god, he's <laughs> man, he's one of my best friends in the business. He's he's I, I posted something on Facebook about him the other day, man. He's he's been like a father. He's been like a brother. Uh, when my father passed away, man, he was right there. He was right there, and God, he and I love beer. He and I love some beer. Not to, not to tell on you too much, there, Terry, but uh, I know I'm sure people that know you know. Uh, man we we uh we we we, lo- we we love a share of a good beer a good beer together <laughs> he, yeah. he uh um and just he, he's just all man i could i could hit him up at any time of day any time of night and he's he's got you know he's got wisdom for me he's got wisdom for me he's got encouragement for me um uh sean hunter uh he uh he, he books down in swainsboro he's uh he's one of our 605 guys man he's man he's been my right hand for a couple of years now man he really he just he's been a big part in how i um uh up my confidence uh in general he 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 showed he reminded me how to work like a big guy reminded me how to work like a big man on the uh on the scene man and that's uh if you don't know Sean Hunter man he's he's definitely uh pretty much well known for his chops and those chops go right through you and if you take them you better give them back um uh i um i i i owe a couple conversations to uh zero as well you know zero zero can read if you're having a bad day some just somehow he's got that in him and he'll he'll slide he'll say he'll remember a conversation we had at a show and then a couple days later you'll get a message from him he'll slide in that dm man and be like hey you know and, and it's always something and it's always something spiritual it's always something spiritual and uplifting with him and that's that's some of us, some of us uh, have been lost along the way, and we need that. We need that reminder um, that there's a higher power looking out for us. Um, also, uh, I got a shout out. Uh, he 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 probably doesn't. He probably yeah, I don't even know that he's even gonna watch this. But no offense, uh, he uh, uh, he probably doesn't like me dropping his name. But uh, Rick Michaels, man, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Rick Michaels. Uh, he's uh, he he. <laughs> I'm I'm his Dusty man. I'm his Dusty Rhodes, and he's uh, he was behind the scenes at Anarchy and at uh, NCW and Cornelia, and basically just uh, he gave me the Dusty Rhodes ball at that at that show and said said run with it, and I did, and it, it just blew my confidence up, and uh, so yeah, th- those those few people, and then. You know, as of late, most recently, I do have, uh, you know, somebody who's really, uh, really been up in my confidence and reminded me who the hell I am. Uh, she's sitting off screen over here. Uh, the lovely Miranda Brooks, man. I can't uh, I can't do this show without uh, shouting out to her because she's most definitely 
had a big role in uh, getting me back on track and getting, you know, pointing me in that direction where I need to be because she totally believes in me. So, Absolutely. Miranda, can wait, come into frame here and wave. You know you've been waiting on that spotlight. You going to wave? No, she doesn't want to wave. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Miranda is great. I, I'm glad to see you guys together and you, that you're both so happy. That's, Thanks, that's awesome, man. I do. It means a lot, so, man. Um, well, so let's talk about, so your re-repertoire we talked about and Dusty Rhodes has come up many times and that's exactly the first time I saw you in the ring. I was actually putting together, trying to put together a highlight reel, uh, based on the, on the stuff that I was given. And I was like, man, I was like, the more I watch him, the more I think of Dusty and, and that's, uh, you know, I don't know that a better compliment I could give anyone. Uh, uh, that's one of the best compliments I've ever received, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, your moves and then uh, what your finisher is and how that came to be your finisher. So uh, when I finally figured out, so I was, uh, I had this gimmick uh, back in the day. I was the Monster Mall. Uh, that was given to me by, uh, I don't know if people remember Kimbro Jones, man. Uh, big Kimbrough out of Fort Valley. He uh, he thought I was going to be the next uh, the next Leon White, the next Big Van Vader. Uh, so he, I I I went with this like Japanese, almost Japanese version of Vader looking kind of deal. And uh, I had no idea how to work like a big man. I was still green as goose uh, poop, and I was uh, uh, you know I just had no clue, man. I had no clue. Uh, every I'd go out and. The way the way the gimmick was getting booked, it should have been a monster, but the way it was getting booked, it was getting squashed or he was getting, you know, it was just getting walked all over. And a lot of the guys at the time, the bigger guys at the time, didn't have time, didn't want to give me the time of day, really, even though there were a couple that uh, that definitely um, stepped up. And uh, uh, I, I, owe, uh, I owe a little bit to uh, Iceberg for uh, stepping in when I was getting my butt whipped by uh, one Mike Payne and... Uh, uh, he, uh, he definitely, uh, he's like, you know why that happened, right? <laughs> and I was like, it's cause I don't know. I don't know anything, man, <laughs> but, um, moving on. Uh, so I, I, with that gimmick, I started watching more big guy stuff, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, Big Van Vader, um, uh, I squeezed in a little Stan Hansen in there. Um, uh, big show, Paul White, man, Mark Henry. Um, and then moving into going on when I decided to come out of that gimmick and be me, Big Andy, um, which is Andrew Toner, but take the dial and sling that thing to a hundred percent. And that's what you're getting with Big Andy. Um, so I take those moves and then come down the road, um, as I start, you know, paying more attention to some of the older school stuff, because starting to notice, you know, I'm being talked to by a bunch of uh, guys that, from that era, you know, I, I, I like to, I like to bend their ear in the locker room and stuff. Um, and, and they'll, they start telling me about, you know, the way things were in the seventies and eighties with these matches and less is more and all this stuff, man. And oh my gosh, now we're talking, now we're talking, you mean, you mean I don't have to get blown up in the first five minutes because I can do less, but create more of a buzz. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I don't, I'm 350 pounds and I don't have to do a sunset flip. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. So, uh, I, I, I started picking up on the, uh, on the more, um, compact style where you're, you're, you know, you're, 
just let, let less is more. It's it, it, I keep saying that it's it's that's it's it's a easy formula. So the moves, man, the moves I do. Um, you got that big splash in the corner, man. I hit you with the back. I hit you. I hit you with the backsplash, turn around, catch you with the elbow, and I go run off and hit the ropes, and you're dumb enough to walk out of the turnbuckle and get hit by me one more time? Come on, man. Come on, man. Who knows? Yeah. Who knew a 400-pound guy could hit a crossbody? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on. You don't see it coming. You never see it coming. I'm telling you right now it's going to happen, but you don't believe me until you see it, until it actually hits you. Um, I Swing that at somebody, a few headbutts. Some big bionic elbows because uh you know just because dusty said so you know uh and then you, you hit him at the very end with that big splash that big king kong bundy belly splash man i mean that's that's yeah. the finish that's the finish if i but if i gotta pick you up and drop you i'm gonna do it you know if you're if you're if you're telling me if you're telling me that you're not gonna lay down and you're not, and you're just you're, you don't want to quit and you don't want to you know you want to keep on fighting all right well i'm gonna have to pick you up and i'm gonna have to drop you so it just, yeah. depends on, it, just, it just depends on my mood that day, I guess. Yeah. So I hear you. So, yeah, the funny thing is, so you're familiar with my finish of the 12-gauge. And so the funny part is that was a complete accident. Yeah. Like, I uh, I developed that in a show. I was kind of doing an outlaw show where I really didn't have a whole lot of training, but I was, I was a kickboxer, and I, I knew that. So I was in with a guy that had – uh, he had some training and we did a show in Rome. And so we had discussed this and I was like, well, just another protection. So I said, I throw, he's like, I dude, I saw super kicks from everybody. There's nothing I haven't seen. Well, I, you know, again, I've, uh, mixed martial arts in kickboxing normally. So I ducked a clothesline and without backing up, I don't take a step back. My super kick comes up and just, Cleans his clock because he steps right into it. And I knew he was hurt because I looked down at him and his thumbs twitching and why he's on the ground. And I was like, he is out. <laughs> why, why, why are you knocking yeah. guys out, dude? What's... Yeah, well, and you know, it was again, that was on Bobby, me. It's a, work. I, it's a work, man. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was told afterwards. And I was like, well, look, he stepped into it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the guy, the, so this was a place that had a bar in it. The guy at the bar, the bartender said, yeah, I heard it hit way back here way over the crowd. And um, so that's kind of, it, but it, at that point, it, it took a while for, that story got around for a while and people did not want to take my 12 gauge. That was just, you know, uh, and it became a running joke at that point uh, for a while. But, you know, that that's how it was born and, it, it never was my intention. I always thought I would really use the crippler crossface. Yeah. And, it, but that, you know, the crowd kind of got hooked on that and that's all they wanted. And I'm there to give them what they want. There you go, man. There you go. So, uh, so man, uh, God, we, we've covered so much, just barely scratched the surface. I got uh, a shout out. I got to throw out real quick. Sure. Uh, so, one thing I forgot about the beginning, well, I, forgot, I didn't really forget, but, uh, you know, my, my early days in wrestling, before I even got on the indie scene or anything, uh, it's not really, it's not always looked highly upon, but I do know a bunch of guys that are on the top of some cars that used to do it. I was uh, highly involved with some ba some backyard wrestling of my own uh, with some guys that I grew up with uh, back in Atlanta, man. And 
uh, let me just throw a shout out to the Buckhead boys one time. Uh, that's, uh, that's all I got to say. Um, you could take it back over from there, sir. <laughs> oh no, that's, I, you know, I know some of us get a lot of flight, but I mean, realistically, we all started in the backyard somewhere. Almost definitely. Uh, I mean, you know, me and my, uh, one of my best friends had a, an area in his granddaddy's yard that was completely flat and there was no grass because that's what we did after school every day was beat the hell out of each other. And, and we didn't know how to work back then. We dropped each other on tree, tree roots. And uh, I yeah. can't tell you how many broken ribs I get from trying to jump out of a tree to splash somebody. We'd start the we'd start the morning off, man. We meet up early. We go to the home, the nearest Home Depot or Lowe's, man. We buy up a bunch of drywall. We take yeah. it to the we take it to Frankie Allen Park in Atlanta. We set up way down by where they grill out and stuff, back behind all the baseball fields and everything. And we have these video camera and everything, commentary booth, the whole nine yards. We'd set up that drywall like tables on tops of steel chairs, and we'd just be putting each other through it and doing doing the dumbest stuff. <laughs> yeah. But but hey, man, it was just it was just that passion, man. That's uh, that was back, you know. That was really part of like, yeah, I'm gonna do this one day, man. I'm gonna do it right, yeah. but I'm gonna do this one day. <laughs> Correct. And it was amazing. I mean, back then it was so fun and so pure. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the love for the business, and that's what I try to take myself back to, is the purity of the business and what I loved about it. And um, I mean, you know, because there's so many great heroes that that have been came through for me uh, you know Bret Hart Sting you know those guys really just defined a business but they meant Here's something a, to you to kids you as well sure let me ask you uh give me your top five top five wrestlers my, all time my top five wrestlers of all time yeah um I'm gonna have to give you my goat is is always and will be Shawn Michaels Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm going to follow that by Ric Flair, uh, Hulk Hogan, um, it's a little young and odd to say this this time, but Will Ospreay was going to fall to my number four and, okay. um, number five for me is going to be Steve Austin. Okay. So. Okay. What about you? So, obviously, I said it before, Hulk Hogan at number one. Um, we'll put Roddy Piper right there at number two. I just loved his style, man, the Scottish thing, man. That's that's heritage for me, man. But, like, so that did it for me originally. That was heritage on heritage alone. But then Piper, one of the best heels in the game, even when he was a mm-hmm. babyface, though, just one of the best in the game, man. His style, you, you go back to watch uh, uh, him versus Valentine, man. Versus the hammer, man. Like that, that, those matches were insane and and just yeah. so well done. But uh, so Hogan, Piper, uh, Dusty, number three. Uh, I'm gonna put uh, number four is Macho Man Randy Savage. Ooh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and brother, then number five, you got um. It's uh, it, it's tough to do a top five because there's so many up in that upper echelon. Uh, but I'll put Flair at number five for me, man, just because just. The, the Ric Flair drip, man. I love, I love him, man. It's just, just he's he's exuded that just essence of being just the best there is at anything from 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 his early days on, man. From who who 
who in who in any other business from nineteen the nineteen seventies all the way to twenty twenty three is still regarded in such a high, you know, high esteem? Yeah. And what other sport do you really get that, you know? Correct. Yes. I mean it's been an amazing ride for, to, to watch the sport grow from, you know, as I said, I, I watched it from, I remember Sting and Flair when they first started feuding back in, I guess, NWA slash WCW. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I remember The Undertaker is Mean Mark. Mean Mark Calloway. Yeah, Mean Mark Calloway. Uh, so that probably dated myself a whole lot there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, in but, wrestling, it doesn't matter because we all watch all of it now, for the most part. Yeah, like a lot of absolutely. us watch it. We watch everything. Thanks to shout out to Peacock, shout out to the network, man. <laughs> yeah, the, the availability because I used to remember I get excited. I was raised by my grandparents, and so going to Walmart on the weekends when my grandmother and granddaddy would get paid, and they would like to go. Some for some reason I don't really know why, but it was a big thing to go to the Walmart or Kmart that was not in town. So we might go to Dalton for the weekend, and I would run down to find the VHS thing that might have the Coliseum videos of SummerSlam or whatever because the pay per views. Right. And I would I would get to get one of them. Those things even back then were like thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. the pay per view, but um, but that was. I mean, I, it's so strange that I can even remember the smell of the, you know, that cassette that was new, the plastic. Definitely. That, yeah, that there was just something. That, yeah. That, yeah. That, yes, definitely. The, 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 the blockbuster smell, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and so my kids will never know that at all. It's, it's now like an all digital world. So there's no, nothing physically in your hand. Right. Right. Um, but, uh, well, as far as what matches, uh, what's lined up? What are you booked up next? Uh, booked up next. I'm uh, next week. I'll be in uh, Swainsboro, Georgia. I'm making my big return there after uh, a couple months. Man, uh, my uh, my tag team partner Swole turned on me. Man, he uh, he turned on me, and I lost my heavyweight title. Man, that's it's kind of kind of it's a sad story over there. I'm gonna have to go, and then uh, another one of my uh, guys in the 605. Guy called out earlier, bro. Sean Hunter, man, he did. He he, he was all, he was in on it the whole time. I've been bamboozled. Hmm. Uh, so in true Big Andy faction, I've already uh, let it be known uh, they can either uh, have all the security in the world they want, or they can just let me in the building because I'm getting in one way or another. And I'm gonna handle business. Uh, yeah. So CWFG Championship Wrestling from Georgia and Swainsboro. I'll see y'all next week, man. That's uh, that's what's up next. Um, uh, Coming up this month, I've got uh, UWF um, outside of Athens, man. Um, uh, we got a big uh, bunkhouse uh, bunkhouse rumble going on, man. That I uh, we've been they've been uh, everybody's. I won the first battle royal, and uh, that moves me as a contender in the uh, in the bunkhouse. So uh, that's going to take place this month. Um, uh, believe I'm in Nashville at some point this month. Uh, I've I also got um, <laughs> the 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 match I've been waiting 14 years for is coming up this month too. Um, it's a really big deal for me. I don't know if you've heard of a, a really huge guy named Jeter, uh, the big effing deal. Uh, he's the uh, Anarchy Wrestling Champion, um, and uh, old uh, 
Benny Bacardi has uh, enlisted Jeter to uh, try to dethrone the world's largest orangutan in captivity, thinking that uh, just because Jeter's coming, I'm going to get a little scared. No, man, I've been waiting to face Jeter for all 14 years. I've, Jeter and I got in the business about the same time, and I've been watching him do his thing, and he's one of the best. I'll give him his flowers now, but I'm not going to be so nice in the ring. Uh, he's one of the best big men in the business, one of the uh, most knowledgeable uh very soft-spoken behind the scenes, man. But uh, as far as flowers go, that's all you're getting right now, Jeter. But uh, end of the month, Georgia Championship Wrestling, yeah, it's back on the map again. You and me, Jeter, we're going to make this whole damn world shake, guaranteed. Yeah, and that's big words from Big Indian. Man, I believe it. I saw, uh, saw orangutans when they're angry, and, man, that's some incredible strength. <laughs> So, Let me, can I explain something about the orangutan? <laughs> sure, let's do it. Let's hear it. So, so legitimately, legit. This is this is this is the story behind the whole orangutan thing. I don't just walk around thinking I'm a big hairy orangutan and I'm wild <laughs> and stuff like that. It's uh, it's it, it's it's uh, more or less when I was uh, I, so I was a corrections officer, um, and I was on the tax squad, and my um, my commander, uh. <laughs> You know, I there I'd have I'd say some sort of Andyism, or I'd go in and uh, maybe get a little rough with uh with an inmate or two because I had to. It was the job. Um, when you got to when you got to shut something down, you got to shut it down. Um, and I'd come out of that, and my commander would go, "Big Andy, a real monkey." <laughs> basically saying basically saying that I'm just I'm a little crazy. Um, and so yeah, I'm like. Yeah. And I'd make the joke, am I a silverback? He'd be like, no, you ain't no silverback. You got that orange hair. You're more like an orangutan. So that <laughs> I carried over. When I was when I was uh, working on, you know, some monikers and catchphrases and stuff like that, man, that just stuck with me. That's just something that always stuck with me because I respected that guy a lot. And um, So that, that's where that comes from, man. That's why I am the world's largest orangutan in captivity. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing with us. Uh, you ever told that story before on a podcast? Uh, this is actually the first podcast I've ever freaking been on, bro. So, uh, awesome. Thanks, bro. <laughs> no, awesome. I'm, I'm honored. Um, well, I'm going to, uh, give us a few, uh, I'm going to ask you for a promo then I'm going to close out the show with a few notes. And if I could ask you to hang around to make sure all the files upload before we close out, uh, once I end the podcast, um, but, uh, so big Andy, cut us a promo. For anybody that faces 12-gauge uncut and Big Andy. Anybody that faces 12-gauge uncut and Big Andy. So what you're saying is 12-gauge uncut and Big Andy are now a tag team. We are together. We are a thing. We are an item. And anybody that wants to get in our way, anybody that's got something to say, better come say it to our faces because Rocky Shaw, 12 Gauge, Big Andy, the world's largest orangutan in captivity. Woo! Big Andy himself right here is going to tell you one thing. You better come say it to my face. You better come say it to my face. And if you think you got what it takes to knock us off our butts, you got another thing coming. Rocky Shaw, Big Andy, world's largest podcast in captivity, 12 Gauge Uncut. Let's Oh, love it, love it! All right, guys. So I want to give some shout outs real quick to my engagement team uh, on 
the podcast. Dalton Gibbs, Corey James, and Zach Riley. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on board and uh, helping as far as the group goes. Uh, so many great fans, guys. I wish I could. I don't have the memory to shout all of you out, uh, but I can. I think Dustin Howe, uh, Kimberly McLeary, Christopher McLeary, uh Joey, Martin, and Brianna, uh, just to name a few. Uh, Miranda back there and Angel uh, have always been in my corner for a long time too. So I appreciate you guys. Heck yeah. Uh, and what I have to say now is what we always say at the end, if I can get my mouse to wake up. And we will beware of the 12 gauge. Ooh, ominous.